Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Charles, how are you today? Jim, I'm doing fine. I enjoy your show, and I, I always like the advice you give. Thank you. Uh, I, I've got a little problem here with my house. Uh, the house had foundation problems, and it's repaired. It was jacked up. 10 inches to a foot, and there's tunnels up under the house. Okay. We, we have a sump pump that pulls water out. Now, I've got a problem with critters getting up under there. What do you suggest I do? And let me say one thing here. I called one critter control company, and they want to bury some type of metal fence around the entire house, about 4500 bucks. So what would you suggest? Do you know what's going up under there yet? No idea. Okay. Never seen, never seen a thing. Okay. Um, and can you see where they're going underneath? You can see where they've been digging around, yes. But okay. I, I covered them up. I, sometime to go a few days, you'll never see them, a, a, a hole there. Yep. And all of a sudden, they're digging out. Yep. So digging in, if, whatever they're doing. <laughs> if it was me, I'd be setting a trap. And getting rid of them, just traps and but no no fence around the house. No, nah, around the no. Nah. You you could put fences unless you're going to put a fence all the way around the house and go. That's what they. You know, that's what three feet about deep. Doing. It's not going to yep. keep them out. This is more than three feet deep. Plus, it's, yeah, they put concrete down at the very bottom of it. Nah, you you don't uh, need all that. I mean, chances are good you got a couple critters at most that are trying to go underneath there put a trap out get rid of them and you know it's, it's a you know four or five years from now who knows maybe you get something else come back you trap them again uh you can well, do a lot of trapping for 4500 bucks they, they're I, they're gonna i hope they'll trap the things for me is what i'm hoping they'll do are you within the city limits or or outside yes, city i am in the city limits of the big city of fate yeah <laughs> well uh I don't know about that city, but a lot of cities, especially the smaller towns, their animal control actually has traps that they'll come out and set in a lot of cases. Well, I appreciate that tip. I'll uh, get on the phone Monday and at least ask them about it. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't hurt to ask. Jim, I really appreciate your advice. Thank you so much. Not a problem. You take care, Charles. Bye-bye. Bye. 1-800-288. 9227 that's 1-800-288-9227 and you know you, you get these little animals that, that do these things but most of the time it's not that you got a bunch of them doing it and so simply trapping them and either hey doing them in or hauling them away uh, is really all it takes but in a lot of municipalities and again especially the smaller ones like if you go into dallas or fort worth Chances are you ain't getting no help. You get into the smaller towns, though, a lot of them do have traps available, or they'll even come out and set the traps and dispose of the animals for you. So it, it is something well worth calling, and it's typically, like I said, animal control that you would check with for something like that. Michael, how can I help you? Yes, sir. Um, so I have a newer build. It's uh, about maybe a little over two years old. Um, and we have one room that tends to get hot 
and get cold. We noticed that during the cold, cold freeze that it was about 10 degrees colder. You know, we could warm it up, but then it was quickly getting cold. And then in, in the summertime, we can cool it down, you know, get enough air in there, but then it cool uh, it warms up really quickly. And so, um, you know, I, I did notice, I, I looked at some of the other new builds. It looks like there's a four-inch exterior exterior wall, which that seemed a little odd to me. thought maybe it should be six inches, but I, I guess it's okay. So, so my question is, um, should I... Who do I call out to come help me solve the issue, whether it's insulation or maybe you know, we need to do something else? Uh, we've had the AC folks out a couple of times, and they just flowed more air in there, and, and you know that that works, but it just it just gets warm or cool just really quickly after that. Yeah, and and you and you you're correct in ta- asking about insulation because if the room never cools down or warms up, then that's an airflow issue, but. If it gets to the right temperature, but as soon as the system shuts off, it starts changing temperatures right away, that's an insulation issue. So is this on a second floor or first floor? What what are we talking here? It's on a first floor. Uh, it is a two-story, but the area above us is empty. I did peek up, up there in the attic, and it looks like there's enough insulation above us. So I think we're okay, but you know, I, I suppose it, there could be a problem there, and, and I'm not really sure what to look for there. Well, t- uh, typically on insulation, is it, is it a fiberglass or uh, uh, foam insulation? What kind? It, it looked like the blown-in kind uh, okay. on the top. And what you're looking for then would be about uh, 15, 16 inches of it. So that would be the first thing to check is make sure that's deep enough because the, the attic is going to be the number one. Number two is, and this doesn't happen often, but every once in a blue moon, they miss doing a wall with insulation and actually i'm really wondering if that's the case with this house yeah it, it wouldn't surprise me i know that you know they put things up pretty quickly and you know they yeah it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they missed that and and so how, how would i go about checking that is that something i can do myself or should i call somebody to come in and do that with materials? no actually actually it, it is something you can do yourself i mean uh typically the easiest way to check it is with like an infrared camera uh, if you take pictures of the walls, it'll show you that, hey, this wall's hot compared to everything else. Boom, problem solved. And they actually make apps that can do that for you with uh, iPhones and things like that nowadays. Oh, really? uh, the okay. other way to do it is to just remove uh, plate covers for uh, electrical outlets and switches. Okay. And yeah. you can peek around the box and see if there's insulation in the wall. Okay, that's a great idea. I'll, I'll definitely do that. Thank you very much. Yeah, and and if there's not, then that's that's call the builder and tell them to finish the job. Okay, and and uh, so you you think even within two years they they should still come back out and finish it up and oh yeah if they if, if, if they left it. something like insulation off they need it that that would be something that would need to be taken care of. Okay, and if it's not if everything's insulated well then how do I proceed from there? Well, then we then we got to start looking at okay, it's probably an exterior wall that's taking direct sun. How do we address that? You can use a foam insulation, non-expansive in the wall, or there's a product called Cool Coat. You can mix it into the paint and even apply it on the interior walls and it helps keep the heat from coming through. So, there are options, but uh I it, it this this is going to be an insulation issue. So, check okay, with well, the attic first. 
This comes from John and friends when he says, you've probably been asked this a thousand times, so I'm going to make it a thousand and one. How do you tell if you have a load-bearing wall? I have this three foot seven wall in my kitchen at the end of the kitchen island. I believe the wall also provides power to the island, but I want to knock it down and only leave a column for the power. This way, I open the room up a little. How do I tell if it's a load-bearing wall? I tried to uh, attach a photo, but can't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about the photo parts on on the this. Uh, every once in a while, somebody's able to put one. I don't know how they do it though. But here's the deal: if you go up in the attic and you have any boards from the roof coming down to where that wall is, it's a load-bearing wall. That's the rule of thumb. Now, I will tell you up front, typically a little three-foot-seven wall like that is normally not going to be a load-bearing wall. not saying it can't be. I'm just saying normally it's not. But that's your easiest way to tell is just go up in the attic and look and see where the boards are coming down. Now, if you're on a in a two-story house, and and this is a, is a you know a little wall in there. Well, then you literally have to look and see are the floor joists able to span all the way across or the ceiling, whatever. It depends on if you're upstairs or not. But if they're able to span across without that wall being there, then it's not a big issue. Or if that wall runs in the same direction as the ceiling joist, then you definitely can take it out. Hello, Jim. I would like your recommendation for a home backup generator for my 1,200 square foot duplex home. I'm the only resident and a senior. I know nothing about this subject. I assume that I would need an electrical company, perhaps even a chain store, to consult, purchase, and install a backup generator. I've been a fan for many years. Please advise by email reply. Many thanks, Betty. Well, Betty, you will get an email reply because... When I use your question on the air, we copy it and send it back to you. Take a look at Generac generators. They they are the staple that sets the standard for all other generators. And basically, you, you're going to be looking at a whole house system uh, with what you're looking at. And it's not based on how many people are in the home. It's based on what all do you want to run. Uh, you know, just because you hook a generator up doesn't mean you have to run everything in the house. So you can leave the air conditioner off, which I don't know why you would, but you can. Uh, you can leave, you know, other portions of the house off if you want. Because they only hook up the breakers that you tell them you need. And then they base the size of the generator on that. So as far as who to have come out and do it for you, typically it's an electrician. So even if you went to one of the box stores, here's an evil little secret for everybody. They're going to sub it out to a local electrician. Why not just call the local electrician direct, have it done? Or go online, look up Generac Generators, and you can pick somebody from, from that list. So that's the generator I would be looking at for a backup generator. And, you know, quite frankly, with what's going on with our power, I think we're going to see more and more people making that choice and and they're always talking like this is a grid problem it's not a grid problem 
Now, granted, we are taxing our grids, uh, you know, when we're getting extremely hot. But it, all these issues we've been having have been a generator problem. We just plain haven't been generating enough power for the usage. Let's face it, our population in Texas keeps growing. We got everybody from all these other states coming into Texas. Um, as, as our population grows, we need more generators online. When was the last time you heard of a generator being built? It's been a long time. And we're just maxing them out. So every time one is down for any type of maintenance, it throws us into turmoil. And that's really what's happening. And let's head to Frisco. Tim, this is Jim. How can I help you? Thanks, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Um, got an AC that throughout the day, as it gets into about 2 or 3 or 4 in the afternoon, the temperature at the vents just do not... Um, you know, it just doesn't shut off. It doesn't cool anymore. Yeah. I'm wondering what's going on there. Uh, well, let me ask you a couple quick questions. How old a home? How old is the home? Yeah. Um, 20, 20 years okay. plus. And is the AC still the original? or? Uh, the guy tells me the outside unit's been changed, but the uh, evaporator coil's the same. Okay. Nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, so typically... That as an AC unit ages, it actually is losing efficiency. Uh, okay. You know, parts start wearing; it doesn't cool as well as it used to. On top of that, your ductwork insulation isn't working as effectively as it did at, at first either. And so the combination starts making where you're not getting good air coming out. But when was the last time the unit was serviced? Um, last the end of last year. Okay. It was um it was freezing up, so I had some freon put in it. Okay, and that that's uh exactly where I was headed because it sounds like you could be having a little bit of an issue with low coolant and or some dirty coils, whether it's outside or inside. Uh, so I would recommend that you get it serviced, and I'll bet they're going to have to add coolant again, and that's probably going to fix your problem. So what if what would a five ton unit go? Evaporator and a condenser go in this in the, the Frisco area. You have you have that kind of information. Well, I own an AC company in in uh, Houston, Texas. Okay. And if you were looking at a five ton unit, not not do, redoing duct work or any of that kind of stuff, just an air conditioning unit, you would probably be somewhere in the six to nine thousand range. And that's depending on access. That's inside and outside unit. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. You bet. Have Take care, Tim. Again, our number, 1-800-288-9227. And just FYI, the reason for that wide range, it all depends on access and what you got to do to put it in. Let's head into Dallas. And uh, Joe, welcome to KRLD. How can I help you? Yes, sir. My question is, uh, when someone doing a bathroom remodel uh, completely or halfway down, they they need to put a concrete boards on it, or they can use any sheetrock, or it's a special sheetrock need to be in that. Well, sheet the the wet rock is used all the time, or moisture resistant rock really is what it is, um, but. 
technically, are you putting tile over it? Yes, sir. You really want to use a concrete backer board. And the reason for it, moisture does go through the grout lines, and it gets into the sheetrock behind it. And granted, it takes years, but it does soften over the years, and that's when the tile starts popping loose. Where when you use a concrete backer board, you don't have that issue because the the concrete backer board doesn't soften when it gets wet. And that's the main reason for the concrete backer board. I see. But the sheetrock can be uh, down down the road that can be deteriorated or that can be the water can go through it. Oh, yeah, it will go through it. Yeah, and that will be a hassle. So, yeah, because somebody's doing my bathroom halfway down, you know, uh-huh. not all the way up, and they put in a sheetrock. I'm not a not a special sheetrock like a uh, wet, like for the wet sheetrock, yeah. you know, like pool, waterproof. Yep. They put in this, uh, any sheetrock. And and they're, they're doing this in the tub surround? On the bathroom. Right, right, but in around the bathtub or just in the bathroom itself? On the walls. Okay. On the walls, yes, it should be a moisture-resistant rock. The only place it gets a concrete backer board is going to be in the shower or tub area. Everything this else is, would be a, a moisture-resistant rock. Yeah, this is a shower, sir. Okay, then yes, it should be it should be the concrete backer board. Concrete backer board. Yep. No, no sheet rock. No, sir. Especially right, not you, just regular sheetrock. Especially not regular sheetrock. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. You bet. Take Have care. Have a good day. And, and you know that's the problem. Uh, we, all remodeling, all construction in Texas is really unregulated. There's no licensing other than air conditioning, plumbers, electricians. They hold license. The individuals, but everybody else. Uh, you know, I'm in foundation repair. That's a structural change to the house. No licensing requirements at all. Uh, this is an example, going in and redoing a bathroom. And they're shortcutting by putting the sheetrock in. Is it easier? Absolutely. Is it the right thing to do? Heck no. Let's head, uh, head to Richardson. And Jeff, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, Jim. Hey, uh, I really appreciate your show. And, uh, you know, uh you answered a question of my dad uh, from Florida the other day, uh, and uh, I appreciate that. That was great. The roof one? Uh, yeah, the roof one, yeah. Yep. Actually, yeah. He, he'd been bugging me on why the roofs were so steep in Dallas, so and I told him it's aesthetics, but uh, yep. <laughs> he needed another opinion. That's all right. Hey, my dad just... wants other opinions other than mine, too. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> right. So, hey, I've got a, a farmhouse in Nebraska that was built in the 40s. And, you know, so it's been added on to. So I've got uh, brick foundation, uh, you know, brick uh, basement walls uh, and uh, and also cinder block uh, walls where they've added on. And they're certainly moving. Right. Or they have moved since they've been put in. Okay. Um, you know, I don't see the cracks in the uh, upstairs moving at all or changing. Is there any way that I can tell if, you know, if things are still moving? I've tried to, you know, fix the drainage and the gutters and things like that to get water away from the house. Um, but is there any way that I can tell, that I can track to see if it is actually moving? Sure. You can set up and, and take elevation readings. Uh, in the foundation repair industry, we use what's called a compu level. Uh, and basically... We can take elevations, whether it's on a floor or a brick ledge or 
just pick where you want to measure from, and you can periodically go check it and see if it's going up or down. And, okay, so, you know, I already see that the walls are are moving in, right? They're slanted in by a couple inches, right? And certainly right. The, the basement replaced, right? Uh, but you'd recommend uh, checking the, the floor level as opposed to that wall being pushed in by the dirt outside. Oh, no, I'm saying you can do both. Okay, all right. Yeah. And it's a compu level? Yeah, it's called a compu level. And uh, the places I t- I, where I buy mine is... Uh, and it's really the only place I know of that you can just walk in and get them. You can order them or walk into, uh, oh, shoot, Texas Tool Traders. And okay. they, got, they got locations throughout the state. Texas Tool Trader. Okay. Oh, great. That'd be good. Because, you, know, you know, I was worried about it and thinking that, you know, the house is going to fall in. But I'm not sure how much it's actually moving. You know, at some point we need to do it. Yeah. Um, what do you think? It's about a 1,100 square foot house, single story, you know, with the basement. And they're saying, you know, replace the whole basement. And they're giving me a price of around thirty thousand. And does that sound reasonable? Or I don't think they can touch it for that. To be honest with okay. you. Okay. They actually said thirty to forty thousand, right? Yeah. So, um, uh, okay. Because the the cost of the material nowadays uh, is going to push that, plus the labor to do it. Yeah. Somebody's. Uh, it, 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 if they're replacing the basement, uh, and yeah. you know, uh, I've got one I'm getting ready to do down in Teague, where I am replacing uh, just a small basement under it, uh, and it's only, I want to say that was a either eight by ten or ten by twelve, just a small one, oh, yeah. and that's running like sixteen thousand. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. And that's what they recommended, right? They said to lift the house and they actually recommended lifting it, you know, another, you know, I don't know what, six inches or eight inches more. Right. That, and then pouring a new basement. And do you recommend, I mean, is there anything wrong with the cinder block or should it just be poured uh, concrete? No, oh, no, you can do cinder block. Uh, just make sure that there's a good French drain on the outside of it and that the cinder block is coated with waterproofing. Now, typically when I do them, what I'm going to do is put a, a waterproofing on the, the cinder blocks first. Then there's a membrane that you can put on that has a channel trough in it that takes the water and runs it down to the bottom. So you can run that into the French drain. Okay. All right. And I use gravel encased in fabric and run it all the way up to, to within six inches of the surface so that moisture has three layers it's got to go through before it's going to come into that cinder block. Before it gets in. Okay. All right. Yeah, and we've definitely got clay up there. You know, oh, yeah. Straight farm soil, black on top, but clay underneath. So. Yep. All right. Hey, I appreciate it. That's great you to bet. know. Thank you. Mike, this is Jim. What can I do for you? Hello, Jim. Uh, I've got a problem with my water heater. Uh, <clears throat> there, I have two of them, actually. And uh, the other night, we had a big windstorm, and... Uh, I think that, well, the pilot light got blown out, I suppose, and uh, I went up in the attic and uh, and got it lit and then increased the uh, the temperature just a little bit because we didn't think we were getting enough hot water. Mm-hmm. Well, it was actually too hot. So uh, today I was outside uh, in the side yard, and I noticed that there was water dripping out of uh, one of the, the drain things that comes out of the attic and it's actually from the uh pressure relief valve yep 
and I can't seem to get it to stop leaking. I went up there and, and tried opening it up just a little bit to maybe see if I could clear any debris out of there, but uh, I didn't open it up all the way. So I'm just wondering maybe if I have, uh, you know, maybe something caught in that uh, pressure relief valve. Well, the first the first thing I would tell you is, you know, those things are notorious that once it opens, it's it's got to be replaced because it continues to drip that way. But here's what you can do to try to close it back up. Uh, shut the water off to the water heater. Done open, that. open the valve all the way. The, the pressure relief valve, then okay. try to close it. Because what happens is it builds up debris and sediment and uh, mineral deposits on it, and the complete movement of it sometimes helps to reset it. And if that doesn't get it to where it stops dripping, it's, you're going to have to just replace the pop-off. Okay. Well, I guess it's going to continue to drip because I guess the two water heaters are are hooked together okay and uh i turn the i turn the water off to that particular heater uh-huh but it's it's still continuing to drip so i'm assuming that the well it'll continue to drip when you first turn the water off because it's still under pressure okay it it, and it won't relieve all that pressure until you relief the pressure relief valve completely okay all right well, I didn't like I said I didn't open it up all the way. I was afraid to, but I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and give that a try. Yeah, well, you're not out anything because it, it's going to have to probably be replaced if it doesn't seal up anyway. So, and if and if it does have to be replaced, uh, my recommendation is wait until Monday if you're going to have a plumber come in because no no reason to pay weekend rates when it's something that could be done during regular hours. Yeah, yeah, I agree there. Let's go over to A-Leaf. Jimmy, how are you today? Hi, thank you. I have a door leading to the garage, that heavy door, the fire, kind of fireproof one. Uh-huh. And I have to put new screws in it. And so far, uh, two kind of professional people have recommended uh, that I put these, uh, what do you call it, uh, these star bits, uh, these star oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, use it uses a star head instead of just a regular Phillips head. Yeah, but I wonder why they say that because the Phillips head are in the. Uh, it's a forty-year-old door, and those are the same screws that I guess they're Phillips in there now that came yeah. with the house. So why 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 change it? I wonder why. I wouldn't. I mean, I'd I'd get whatever screw I can get, and uh, that's going to do the job. The star heads. Uh, will allow you to put a little more torque on the screw than than a Phillips head will, but on a on a door like that, you're not needing a bunch of torque. Uh, yeah, because all all 18 screws have to be put uh, re put in. Yeah. And uh, you mean when I use that tool, uh, I can put more torque on it? Yeah, because it's it's got more surface area that uh, uh, it is is pushing against, so you can. You can, uh, you know, it's easy to strip out a Phillips head. Gotcha. It's not as easy to strip out a star head. Okay, well, you answered my question. Thank you. You bet. Take care. All right, when we left, I was talking with Rebecca and Brenham. And, uh, Rebecca, you got a, a an older house in downtown Brenham. And how old did you say it was? It's 100 years old. Okay. And uh, the front porch columns are leaning. Now, they're brick partway up, you said? Yes. 
is is the brick leaning or the whole porch leaning? It it looks like the lean starts where the brick ends and the wood starts. Okay. It's a brick column and it's got a heavy concrete topper on it and then it's wood from there up and that seems to be the where, where the weakness is but i'm sure you know i mean that's where the lean happens right but i'm sure that the weakness is underneath um i think they're sinking and leaning a little bit okay so they're not sitting up on a porch they're down into the ground no they're on the ground ah okay it, it will depend on how they put those together originally. Uh, how big a base is it on the ground, do you think? Um, it's about not quite two feet. Okay. See, if all they did was go down and put that two-foot-by-two-foot two base there and come up from it, that's not going to be able to be underpinned or anything done to adjust it. That would be take the columns down, rebuild them. And put them back okay. up. Which leads to my next question. But this, sometimes uh, what they did, before we go on, sometimes mm -hmm. what they did, though, is it's got a beam that's under the ground that you don't see, and right. that's what it sits on. And if that's the case, then it would be able to be adjusted. So it's going to have to a little exploratory done to see which way it is. But go ahead with your next question. Okay. In the event that they have to be taken out, this house yes. has a, a hip roof on it. Mm-hmm. And the porch roof is integrated with it. It's the porch roof's not separate. Right. And so <sighs> they would just put temporary supports to hold it up. It, that, that's no big problem at all. Let's see here. This comes from uh, Greg in Rockport. He says, "Hi, where can I find information about the best type of garage door for my canal home in Rockport? Fiberglass versus steel, insulated." versus non-insulated my concerns are mold moisture issues limited maintenance wind rating and durability also are you aware of a construction science website with quality information about home building issues i.e is there a webmd in a construction improvement world thanks greg well actually greg i don't know of anything like that in the uh, real world, and, and I'll tell you why. Different regions of the country have different codes that they have to build by. Yeah, we've got the international building codes. We've got the southern building codes and things like that. But each municipality actually tweaks it for their own. And so, you know, it's kind of you got to get somebody who's kind of regional in order to, to get the right answers. And so uh, I don't know anybody who has got – anything like that for all over the place. That's why we do Texas Home Improvement. Kind of regional, isn't it? That's a big region, but it's regional. Uh, but let's talk about this garage door situation because you're a great example. Here in Texas, if you were asking me about a garage door in Dallas, Texas, I would give you a different answer than I'm going to give you for a garage door in Rockport, Texas. Because what's the big difference? Salt. You've got salt water there. A metal garage door just doesn't hold up all that well in the salt water. Now, the fiberglass, on the other hand, you're not going to have really any trouble out of it. And so that's what I would recommend. Now, there is a cost difference. You're going to spend a little more for that fiberglass door. But the key thing, 
it's going to do the job right. And that's what you need to have done. So I would recommend you take a look at a fiberglass door. Now, as far as insulated or uninsulated, you know, I really don't care. I personally would buy it uninsulated and put a radiant barrier because insulation, unless you're going to heat and cool it, isn't going to really be what you want. You're trying to stop the heat transfer from coming into the building. Well, the first thing is a fiberglass isn't going to heat up near as bad as a metal door. Second thing, the radiant barrier is going to stop that heat transfer much better than insulation would. So there you go. I hope that helps you out, Greg. And when you get a chance, call us. Let us know how the fishing's going in Rockport, Texas. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com. 